everybody. It's Weird Islanders, the podcast, back once again. My name is Dan. That is Mike. Uh, how you doing tonight, Mike? Uh, I'm great. Uh, in, in good spirits. Um, pretty excited to talk about uh, a Weird Islander from an era not too long ago. I feel mm. as if uh, a lot of times on the show we're reaching back a decade plus uh, on the most part. And uh, this time it's it's not too far and it's from a uh, an era of good feelings. And yeah. um, this particular player also has the distinguished honor of being one of a, a handful of players who played for uh, our eternal rivals, uh, mm. the New York Rangers. And then coming to to the Islanders, and it just kind of didn't matter that he was a ranger at all. Like, and 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 honestly, that 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 he, this particular player was able to do that mm. is kind of impressive. Uh, it's a huge. It's like monumental because when he <laughs> was a ranger, mm. not only was he good, um, handsome, like perfect New York Ranger player. Mm. Uh, when you think about the Rangers uh, as they are portrayed. Mm in you know the the good versus evil comic books that right. that people think play out uh in in the nhl like they're the rangers look at them glitzy glamoury great hair and they're the islanders Ooh, mm. they smell like you know like <laughs> this is uh this guy was definitely part of that ranger group but um then when he came to the islanders that kind of just all washed away and he yeah. was a joy uh to have here on long island he kind of took to the ethos and everything and um yeah i i if you had told me when he was a ranger that hey in you know seven or eight years you're gonna love this guy would not have believed it or i would have thought oh what did he do like turn the puck over in like game seven of the stanley <laughs> cup final and, and yeah. the rangers lost because of it but no it's uh he's he's he did it yeah no yeah that's that's actually a really good point and uh i feel like and we'll talk about this a lot with our guests i feel like a lot of the reason you didn't remember him or that the fact that he was a ranger didn't matter all that much was because He's played for a third of the teams in the league. So it really it's hard to remember him playing for anybody specifically because he played for so many teams. Uh, but yeah, this is a definitely, a definitely a more recent Islander. And I'm excited to get to talk about him with our special guest. He is one third of the Skates at the Stakes podcast. And uh, you may have seen him around Twitter. And if you haven't listened to the show, you should. And if you don't follow him on Twitter, you should. His name is Ryan, a.k.a. Rat Martin. Ryan, what's going on? Hey everyone, excited to be on tonight um, and talking about our Weird Islander of the evening, Derek Broussard. So this is one I'm really excited to talk about, the brass monkey himself. Um, <laughs> I've always, so uh, just to kind of get into my Islanders backstory, which thank you for the glowing introduction ah. there. Um, my backstory as an Islanders fan is I'm actually originally from upstate New York. So mm -hmm. like kind of the Poughkeepsie-ish area. Oh, wow. Um, and my uncle was a Dynasty Islanders fan kind of out, in, out, of, out of the Bronx. Mm. So he grew up watching the Dynasty Islanders and my dad was always trying to push Rangers stuff on me. <laughs> uh, my whole life uh, since he grew up a Rangers fan, my uncle on my mom's side grew up an Islanders fan. So oh, wow. we went to Islanders Rangers at the... Kind of, I think it was, I think it was the garden at the time. I think it was the garden. We went to the game and no, it had to have been Nassau Coliseum, but we went in Nassau Coliseum and midway through the first intermission, I walked in with a Rangers t-shirt and I walked out with an Islanders t-shirt because <laughs> uh, Matt Molson wound up with two goals in that game. I think it was 2011 oh, wow. or 2010. You guys are the historians here. <laughs> if you guys remember that game, but uh, yeah, it was a cool moment. And I basically grew up and went to high school and I was uh this was kind of during the time of the Capuano Islanders where mm. 
you know, we had our moments. Uh, we had some great players on the team, Ocposo, Nielsen, someone I'm forgetting here. Uh, but yeah, like there was a, some great Islanders team. I would go to high school in upstate New York and everyone would talk about, oh, Zuccarello, Broussard, uh, Lundqvist. Mm. It was all, I couldn't escape it all the time. So I had all this, these negative feelings yeah. towards these guys. Um, <laughs> Imagine. Well, they practiced at Rye Playland for a long time, which is really not far from uh, from Poughkeepsie. So I don't know if they still do. I don't think they do anymore. But they, didn't they still practice at Rye? Is that true? Or I think they, they moved to Westchester okay. at some all point. Right. At some point, they had practice facilities yeah. built there. But that's probably why there were so many Rangers fans up there, because it like kind of was that that area basically. So I didn't know you were from Poughkeepsie. My wife grew up in Hyde Park. So uh, we'll have to talk about some, uh, I got married in Wappingers Falls too. So we'll have to oh, talk shoot. about Yeah, that. that's a lot closer to where I'm actually from. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's amazing. We'll talk about that later. Definitely. But um, yeah, no, it's, it, it was such like a animosity I felt towards these, these like mm. Rangers guys. And then as that, you know, the fateful letter came out and they started blowing it up, you saw those pieces get traded <laughs> right. off one by one. I was like, okay, end of an era. It's finally over. I don't have to care about these guys anymore. And then this guy we're going to talk about here, um, Derek Broussard, he goes off and I think he gets traded to Ottawa first in the famous, yeah. you know, now Zibanejad trade that gets him to New York, which uh, thanks for that. But <laughs> yeah, that, that's a pain in the butt that keeps going. But uh, he goes to Ottawa and it seemed like he kind of lost his love for hockey there for a bit. Like he mm. turned from like a first line center into a three C. He had like a thousand yard stare in his eyes. Yeah. And, you know, he goes to Pittsburgh and all of the Penguins hate that trade. They wind up flipping him again within a year <laughs> and they get flipped again within another couple months to Florida. It's it's just like, yeah. or he goes from Florida to Colorado and it looks like his career's done. Like the Avs, that was a year where they weren't even contending. I don't even think they made the playoffs in 2019. And it was one of those things where it was like, okay, yeah, no, Broussard's probably on his way out. But then... The year we don't get Artemi Panarin, Artemi Panarin on Long Island, twenty nineteen, we wind up waiting most of the summer without like a big free agent signing, mm. and this starts kind of like the last couple summers with Lamarella, where we've been waiting for a free agent all summer. We're waiting on Lou to do something, and then out of nowhere in August, we get Dark Broussard, and we <laughs> lose Val Filippola that summer. So he he's kind of the one for one fill in for Filippola. We think he's gonna push those kind of. Koivula, Bellows type mm. prospects into the lineup or not? Yeah, those can't can't miss guys. That's <laughs> right, the guys that we couldn't let go in the Seattle expansion draft. Yeah, um, exactly. <laughs> uh, but at, well, it's, all right. So, but we so we're getting a little ahead of ourselves because first he got to the Rangers from Columbus, and we, he came over in the Marion Gabrick trade, and uh, it was uh, he was thought. I don't think they thought of him much coming over. But uh, it was more like they had to get rid of Gabrick for whatever. I forget what, what it was. But uh, immediately, this was a guy who showed up a Ranger and became a superstar, like Mike said. Like, all of a sudden, he went from being like, especially Rangers fans, like, you know, they don't know anybody outside of the team that they're rooting for, right? So it's like, who's this guy? Oh, now all of a sudden, I love this guy. And they're like, you know, having yep. signs for him, wearing the jersey. But like you said, he got traded for Mika Zibanejad, who was not Mika Zibanejad at the time. And uh, then, he, again, he became a superstar to the Rangers. And meanwhile, Broussard kind of wallowed in Ottawa for a while. Then he started taking the tour and, uh, yeah, ended up with the Islanders. And the funny thing is I was thinking was the, the Islanders made this sort of a habit. So, like, first it was Philpola, then it was Broussard, and then in a way it was Zajac. These sort of like, even though he was a, a trade, they love getting these centers who, by all metrics by all analytics and we'll we'll talk about a particular analytics piece in a minute um these guys are cooked they're beyond cooked they're overcooked like they're they're done like they're they have nothing to offer a team whatsoever other than like 
a potentially warm body on skates. And uh, then they turn out to be super important <laughs> for the Islanders in a playoff run that comes completely out of nowhere. Uh, Mike, I know you you were a huge fan of Broussard's during his time with the Islanders, but you were kind of a huge fan of all these guys. Like it kind of fits yeah. a pattern of like these guys who show up like as driftwood and then end up leaving as as folk heroes, basically. Well, yeah, because they're weird Islanders, right? Like, right, yeah. They, they, this is the, <laughs> the, the the basis and the crux of the show. But I yeah. I, I I guess the the there's a couple of things with Broussard that pre pre his Islander mm. tenure that we should talk about, which is one when he he um. When the this my favorite playoff series maybe ever that's mm. not an Islanders playoff series, mm. it's close. It's between the Devils beating the Rangers uh, with Adam <laughs> Henrique in 2012, and it's the Senators in 2017. Because I I mean you walked around the city. I mean the Lightning one in 2015 was pretty great too. Yeah. So and but so it's hard. But oh, they're all great. Uh, and uh, but uh, you, you walked around the city in 2017, and I remember watching um, one of these games in a bar on like third Avenue. Right. Uh, I don't know if you guys have ever been to El Rio Grande in, in the city, that bar uh, mm. there's, there's two sides of it, Texas and Mexico. And you can walk <laughs> back and forth between the two bars through the kitchen, through the actual kitchen. And okay. uh, they had these margaritas and, and I would go with my cousin from time to time. And uh, one night, you know, we just uh, got over served and, and walked across the street to like a fireman's bar or something. And we're watching mm. the Rangers and it was just a terrible environment. Uh, and the senators <laughs> won. Um, that game and Broussard scored. It was a clinching game, I believe. They won three one, uh, and that series not only was Broussard integral, uh, but that was the same series where JG Pajot scored four That's goals right. in a game, yeah. uh, and, and, and to beat the Rangers. Um, so that you know that obviously helped wash away the Rangers kind of uh, stench from Broussard before he came. But then when he got traded to the Penguins, Dan, I don't know if you remember this, but me and you said verbatim on Islanders anxiety. Yes. Well, you can pencil this guy in for like, you know, a con Smythe, 12 yeah. goals and, and 13 assists in, in the playoffs as the Penguins walk to another Stanley Cup. But like, I, as Ryan was saying, like, and, and Ryan, you're going to have to explain that more because I don't remember. I, I remember it just not working for him in Pittsburgh. Yeah. But I didn't remember. I didn't recall that the, the like the, the actual players were, were like ticked at the trade and stuff because you think <laughs> Latang and Broussard were like meant for each other, but I guess right. not. Yeah, so the thing there was uh, it was wasn't as much the players, but the Pittsburgh media just like from the outset was just tons of articles and stuff saying he wasn't motivated, he didn't look like he was committing, he couldn't play with Crosby, he couldn't play with Malkin, so he had to be a third liner, and I guess that HBK line dynamic uh, kind of spoiled them for so many years, where they weren't used to like kind of a lunch pail third liner that Broussard was, um, and I, I remember he struggled there at first, and there was like a lot of reports from the Penguins writers, you know. You usual suspects that kept going at him and <laughs> taking their shots like oh this guy isn't built for the penguins and they wound up I, I think he had you know pretty unmemorable playoff run that was the year where the the capitals knocked them out on the kuznetsov goal and then he comes back the next season and just never turns it on for the penguins i just remember the fan base was pretty negative towards him uh from the bird app and then like you know the writers were never really endearing to him so they flipped him pretty Pretty shortly after to Florida, and then Florida winds up flipping him again uh, to Colorado at the deadline. But that that's kind of who Derek Broussard was for a bit in his career. Just like stopped his production, fell off a cliff after that Ottawa trade. Right. I can't. I just looking at our list now. I totally can't believe that the Penguins traded a first round pick to the Senators for Derek Broussard and Vince Dunn, who is now 
in <laughs> Seattle. Uh, that that's amazing. I didn't realize it was a first round pick, but Mike, I definitely remember that episode of Islanders Anxiety we did. And I, cause I, to me, the Penguins had already won two cups. And yep. to me, I was like, well, the Senators just handed the Penguins a third straight cup because yeah. to me, Broussard was the perfect, he, they needed a third line center and he was good. And they, they just sent, he, they got him for basically nothing or whatever, or the first round pick. And uh, yeah, things went sideways. I'm looking at an article here from the Pittsburgh Tribune. And it's written by Seth Rorabar, who's actually one of the more level-headed Penguins writers. But like this line gets gets it all together. Any hopes of Brassard becoming the next Jordan Stahl or Nick Bonino never materialized. That's it. That's who they needed. <laughs> they needed a Jordan Stahl, and they got Derek Brassard instead. Uh, he wasn't even the next Brandon Sutter, he wrote here, which is like, ouch, geez. Um, but uh, yeah, and then, you know, it's funny. You very rarely see a guy get traded like three times in the same season, but Broussard did that. He went from Pittsburgh to Florida to Colorado, and uh, by the time he got there, people were like, wait, didn't he just get traded someplace else? None of these teams were really going anywhere. I mean, by that point, the Penguins um, weren't. You know, I mean, they, they were still good, but they, they had kind of fallen off the cup track. I don't think the Panthers or the Avalanche made the playoffs that year, but he, fl- he and then he talked about this. So yeah, so he ended up signing with the Islanders in late August, and I think he talked about moving around, and and he was hurt, and just it, he never really got uh kind of on track uh that season at all. And uh you know I guess was just looking for a uh, a place to play. He said last season was a little disconnected, going from Pittsburgh to Florida, Colorado. It's a little hard adjusting to systems, and. Uh, he, you know, they wanted his experience. And so I guess he signed up with the Islanders. Um, but things weren't really, didn't really click right away. Uh, Ryan, what was your sort of memories of like the early sort of Broussard years or Broussard, uh, I should say weeks with the Islanders? Uh, Cause he definitely didn't like kind of come out of the gate flying a little bit. If anything, we were comparing him to Valtteri Filippola, which is sort of like weird now to think about. But uh, I remember him taking a little while to kind of get used to things. Uh, as an Islander, which I guess would make sense because it's fourth team and fifth team in two years. But still, yeah. So those Islanders actually did kind of struggle out of the gate after you know getting swept by Carolina yeah. the year before, the second year of Barry Trotz, and they were just trying to find a place to b- play Broussard in the lineup for a little bit. Like right. they tried him with Barzal, they tried him as you know the two C uh, back when Brock was still getting a little bit of time on the wing. Uh, they tried him as the three C. He was all over the lineup. Sometimes he was with Komarov. He did have good chemistry with Beauvillier. I remember reading an article t- earlier today, just kind of talking about how they developed a very good connection. But then when the, we went on that like fifteen game, uh, I guess it was a uh, pointless streak, or I think it counts as a winning streak. Uh, but yeah, we were just kind of rolling there for a little bit with Broussard and he was stepping up in the lineup. He was scoring big goals and he really found his fit on the Island, you know, kind of doing the whole thing there, which under the trot system playing responsible two-way hockey. And he really seemed like he wanted to be here, which is basically my, you know, bare minimum for anyone who signs with the (laughs) Islanders. Like any, literally anyone who comes on this team, if you can show you love it here, you can show that, you know, that that's half of it. If you show you love it here, I know Mike always goes on on your podcast about it, talking about how the bare minimum is, you know, say nice things about Long Island. But then the uh, kind of second bit of that is just kind of having the, you know, showing up to work every day, giving an effort, giving 100% every night. So that that's really something Broussard started to do. And when the team started rolling on that winning streak, he was there every night and he looked great. I mean, Trotz fell in love. Trotz, Trotz always loved having beelines. That, that's one thing I noticed about him, be it the killer bees in the, the next year, the famous <laughs> one. Yeah, the famous ones, the Beauvillier, uh, Nelson, and uh, Bailey. 
Killer Bees line. But mm. there was an iteration of that that was doing really well, be it uh, Beauvillier, Brock, and yeah. Broussard, uh, that I really liked mm. that line. Um, and yeah, so he was kind of filling the hole either on the left wing or he was moving over to center some nights. And then we make the JGP trade, which, uh, mm. you know, that kind of was supposed to kickstart the team, but correlated with the Pelic injury um, that year. Right. So, you know, as we all know, and the legend goes, the, uh, you know, NHL season gets derailed for a few months by COVID and then they come back out of the bubble. And Broussard looked really good throughout most of the playoffs until the Tampa series. Yeah. Um, like he was supposed to be JG Pajot and then. When it turns out he wasn't, the Islanders just went out and got JG Pageant. <laughs> um, but uh, before we before we get too far into the season, uh, I do have to highlight our friend Kerry Haber, one of the, the smartest guys we know, uh, and a you know big analytics guy. He wrote an article for Late House Hockey, and um, basically just saying this was a terrible sign. I mean, he wasn't making much, so it worked out okay. Like at least you know he's not getting paid a lot, but uh, by any number. Like if, if you looked at any of his underlying numbers coming in, this was not going to be good. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, it's it, it's not a steal. It's not a savvy out of the box idea. Even if he is actually done, it's a worthwhile gamble. Sure. Why not? It makes sense. But I mean, these were hardly uh, this was hardly a glowing review. And listen, again, I'm not I'm not passing judgment. I'm the guy who wrote Islanders signed Valtteri Filppula for some reason, literally two years earlier. So, uh, you know, we're all we all kind of have this. but. Yeah, at first it was like, where's this guy even going to play? Like, he, it was clear that center wasn't his thing anymore, which was weird because, again, for six years, this guy was a center. Like, it was just that was his position. And then all of a sudden it turned out maybe not. But when they moved him to wing after an adjustment period, it, it worked. And I, Mike, I remember us talking about that. And after a while, it was like, oh, damn. Yeah, this guy is way better at center. <laughs> I think he's he's probably one of a few players who maybe doesn't even play for the Islanders anymore. I think Jordan Everly comes to mind as another one um that barry trotz kind of in like they didn't their careers didn't need saving yeah but maybe they needed to be reignited or kind of set on to another path i don't know how you want to say it but i think you know brassard landing with trotz got earned him um let's see like you you know he, he played the one year with us then he went to Arizona, Philadelphia, <laughs> got <laughs> traded to Edmonton, and then Ottawa. So uh, he's still playing. I, I don't know if 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 he had landed with uh, another team or even another coach, had uh, if if Derek Broussard would still be in the league, which mm. is it, it is funny to say that because he was like this tr- truly dynamic player. Yeah, uh, for the for a long time in the NHL. I mean, I remember when he got drafted. So he he got drafted. The pick before Oposo in 06. Oh, wow. And um, I was at the draft party uh, with my friend Steve, Jacuzzi Steve. And, and I remember <laughs> saying to Steve going in to Nassau Coliseum how badly I wanted Oposo. Like, I'm like, this guy mm. is going to be there. I remember it was like, if, and if we don't get Oposo, um, I want either Derek Broussard or Peter Mueller. And, mm. uh, and they ended up going 6, 7, 8. And I probably just said that because those were the guys that like, I read on TSN were, were projected to go. Uh, around then like that was a Kessel draft um also the Jesse Yoensu draft of course wow. um so uh i like but when when Broussard came through with with the blue jackets and then um the rangers like his yeah his reputation was like a silky mitts hmm. second line center who could play first line center and um r- just like a a real like a almost like a luxury vehicle kind of player hmm. um and then that was on full display with the rangers 
But then, yeah, like you said, his his numbers just they go down the tank, and of course, like a season like he had then, uh, where he's played in you know, six different time zones, it felt, felt like. <laughs> I mean, imagine going from Ottawa to Pittsburgh, or from Pittsburgh to Florida to Colorado in in one year. Like just the environments <laughs> you're going in. You're, you're going from playing with the team with Sidney Crosby, like it, a, a dynasty in the making. Mm. Uh, then you go to Florida, um, mm. and then to the elevation of Colorado. Mm. In in a, what was he kind of a a, a sh- a, a year for the avalanche i think they did make the playoffs um and then they lost like second round but he like just was not in the picture at all yeah. and um but like then he comes to the islanders and he completely changes who he was and like i thought mm-hmm. we were getting Derek broussard like right. and what we ended up getting was closer to jg pajo honestly like <laughs> this guy who he he you could almost watch him play and think okay like i want to do this i want to you know maybe try to thread the needle on this pass in the offensive zone to josh Mm -hmm. bailey my good buddy over there but i also know i probably shouldn't try to do that anymore i should be make the responsible play and just like chip this puck deep yeah Uh, and and like let 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 leo Komarov go fish it out of the corner (laughs) uh, and then i'm gonna go for a change and i'm gonna get a pat on the back from my my bald headed coach and um and i think like that's now who Derek broussard is like his reputation in the in the in this league now is so different from what it was mm. uh when he was at his in his heyday like it's it's he's a completely different he's thought of as like a completely different player he's mm. he, that that article is kind of funny like nick bugstag and, and nick bonino and uh mm. you know those kind of guys jared like, mccann jared mccann <laughs> like 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 who uh whoever you want to say like he's he's in that tier uh, which is not where I thought Derek Broussard's career was going uh, when, when he was with the Rangers. I always thought this guy is like, oh, God, he's just like you're mm. like a, a good, handsome. He he kind of played the way he looked. He was just like this right. handsome guy with great hair. Mm. I had a little bit of like that French Canadian arrogance what, to him. And he had that accent, which mm-hmm. I had no idea. I had no idea he had an accent because I never heard him speak before. And then he comes <laughs> here and all of a sudden he's talking and I'm like, what that's how what he, that's what he sounds like, and then you find out that he like he trains with Beauvillier. They know each other from yep. from Quebec and where they're from. So it was pretty wild. But yeah, no, you're right. Like he did completely change how he played. Uh, and again, it took him a while, but he eventually found his footing. And then in the regular season, which again was completely upended by the the pandemic and the shutdown, but uh, his regular season ends sixty six games played, which is pretty good. Ten goals, twenty two assists, thirty two points. Like that's not too bad at all. And as everybody listening to this will no doubt remember, the Islanders were playing absolutely shitty, awful hockey <laughs> when the, the play shut down and they came back into the bubble with, now with a healthy Adam Pellick, which was a huge thing, and sort of ready for this makeshift weird playoff tournament. And this was where Broussard really kind of started to come into his own and become the guy that we're talking about now. So Ryan, like shifting to the bubble, like where did you like, was there like a moment or something in the bubble that made you, this guy stand out to you? Or was it just sort of like, man, he's really playing really well right now. I mean, the whole team was, but let's not forget the Islanders were a buzzsaw in the bubble. And a lot of people kind of poo pooed them and, and how they played, but man, they were really, they were really churning through a lot of teams in there, making them, you know, they were, that was probably the best they've played in this entire that entire Trotz era. And uh, I don't know. I just, it, I remember him just coming together and being like, damn, Broussard looks good, <laughs> which is kind of, you know, 
better than he did in the regular season. Yeah, big game brass himself in the playoffs. That was right. that was it was an awesome run for so many reasons. Uh I think uh big game brass is trademarked by Andrew Gross, so we might continue. That's fine. I'll, I'll pay uh, that's right. Yeah, I love uh Gross. But um yeah, so Broussard in the bubble was just awesome. I mean, I feel like the beautiful yeah. thing about that bubble run and everyone will remember like those kind of three or four weeks of just great hockey mm. and like where they did look like a buzzsaw. Everyone on the team had a moment, you know, at some point. Yeah. Um, and Broussard, you know, in the first round, I think he gets an assist against the Panthers that, that mini qualifier kind of, um, I don't know. Mm. That was the most Mickey Mouse part of the tournament, but um, he, he gets an assist against the Panthers and he goes on and plays pretty good in the cap series. But then those last two games against the Flyers were really what stood out to me. Um, I know he had the uh, kind of goal, off uh, Devon Taves' stick in game six against the Flyers, um, or where Devon Taves kind of shot at the net and uh, Broussard's able to bank it in in game six because they go down to the Flyers and they're able to rally all the way back. And even though they lose in overtime, he just kind of got that sense they were going to win it in seven. For a wide open Anthony Bovillier with six seconds left in the power play. Goes by Nelson. This way it's Broussard. Nelson in back of the goal. Brock Nelson right up through the middle. Taves, it's tipped in. Second goal in as many games. Some really good things here. Brock Nelson, watch this play as he set up behind. Patience finds the lane right to the point. Look at that pass. Right in the tape, breaks Broussard's blade in half. Taves with an outstanding pass and a real pretty goal for the Islanders. Um, and that was kind of the Eastern Conference semifinals. And then in Game 7 itself, uh, Broussard's able to find Andy, Andy Green to set up Andy Green's signature moment of him scoring a goal to yes. help eliminate the flyers so here's nelson walking towards the net played the puck to the slot Derek brassard gets some open ice plays across to the other side hard shot they score andy green from almost down at the goal line and the new york islanders have forged ahead two to nothing well game seven heroes how about d for the new york islanders coming and producing here early on but this is just a heck of a play by brassard a pass there by nelson patience by brassard and you can see hart he's got bodies in front of him thinking that this is going to be a bad angle shot he's already down on his knees that passes right through the seam and it was andy green who scored the game winner in game one here he comes in from the point the d have been very active here in the first period hart is already down tries to get across in desperation but green did what he had to do get it up high that, those are some great memories from Broussard in the bubble. Just two of the two of the, kind of the big goals in those that Flyer series, as well as the assist he had. I think it was to Pajot because they were doing the Frenchman line, the uh, Mobilier Pajot uh, Broussard thing in the first round, which worked really well. So those were his two big memories I remember. The the bubble to me is so funny because, like even today, I still don't know what to make of what <laughs> happened and if it it really did happen. <laughs> Mainly because of that Andy Green goal. Uh, like I'm like, did yeah. he actually score that goal? Did that? But um, it was such like a we just such a strange time to be a human being. And then, uh, like watching and trying to get invested in an, in an Islanders playoff game on like an 87 degree day in August, <laughs> it just felt so weird. But then you'd watch them and and and. Like these guys rock, man. Like they're you. You said it. They were a buzzsaw. Like they, I think the the bubble, and then uh, leading into 
the next season. I remember having an argument with someone. He was like, well, how much stock are you going to put into the bubble? Uh, and I said, well, a lot because <laughs> it's basically the same team minus Broussard. Like, mm-hmm. why Like why wouldn't I do that? And it was pretty recent. Like, it was almost like a little bit of a training camp for this next season. You think about it. And uh, they ended up kind of carrying that momentum into the next year. Um, but I just like the I, I was nervous, especially you know, Mickey Mouse is the right way to put it. During that Florida series, uh, we had just started moving into our house here in Baldwin. And I remember watching that first Panthers game and we had no furniture in the house and I just moved in a mattress and I just put it on the ground and I made sure to get the TV in too. So I literally just sat on a, a blank mattress, uh, watched the, the Islanders you know, pace the Panthers. The Panthers didn't really look at it. It almost seemed like those qualifying round games were like in a, a thing where it's like, all right, do you want to be here or not? And whatever team wanted to be there would, would win. And, right. um, and the Islanders clearly did. And, uh, the, I just remember there was one play in that Panthers series where it ended up with Broussard in a celebration for a goal. And he just had this huge smile on his face and he, he, he just like kind of drew me in. Mm. I could almost see it. Like he was with a white helmet on and just like, just eyes wide. You know, he's like wide-eyed and winking smile. And, and I was like, all right, like I'm, if Derek Broussard's into this, like I, I'll be, I'm into it too. Like this is, right. you know, let's try to get this thing feeling like real, um, you know, NHL playoffs and get into it. And, and then yeah, the next thing you know, like the Islanders are uh, in the Eastern Conference final uh, in, in playing in, in an empty building in Toronto, um, <laughs> which, you know, it still just doesn't, it feels so strange. Um, but, you know, the bubble that team was so good and that and, and that 10 game winning streak man mm. in in the beginning of the season when Broussard was playing well at, when he's kind of found his footing man how foreign does that feel like that concept this Dude, team oh my god they they Bardreau scored his first and to to date only NHL goal on a penalty shot in the middle of a 15 game unbeaten streak like that yeah. whole the whole that whole time period is like out of a movie like it's just crazy but- i and i i remember where i was what was for that game too i was in a bar in lindbrook with my dad and brother and just looked at, <laughs> and we just were we're at this like bar and has the tvs on like small islander tv in the corner and we're like hmm. cold cold bar was about to take a penalty shot and, and it went in and you're just like yeah maybe things are changing for i know the Islanders a little yeah. bit right like and and trots always would talk about like that 18 wheeler feeling with this yeah. team and it was always by like the second win of these long winning streaks that they put together at point streaks that you're just like, I don't know if the Islanders are going to lose for a long, long time. <laughs> right. Oh, it yeah. was amazing. Yeah. It was crazy. And Derek Broussard played a huge role in that, but uh, yeah, uh, it's just, you know, he, he was here. He was sort of, you know, he, I almost got, I, I almost hate to bring this up, but like in the beginning, I almost started getting like Pierre Marc Bouchard or like Peter Regan yep. vibes from him. Like, absolutely. Uh, well, you know, it was a nice try, but he ain't going to make it. He ain't going to go to Bridgeport. So they're going to have to like <laughs> wave him or something. He'll end up someplace else. But yeah, by the end of, by August of that year, which is the strangest time to be watching hockey, this guy was like an integ- integral part of a team that went to game six of the Eastern Conference semifinals, which is insane. It's completely insane. And like, you know, the fact that again, to get back to your original point, the fact that Derek Broussard, was part of that team. And the fact that like Andy Green was part of that team yep. too is also kind of weird, but we'll get to him probably some other time. Um, but yeah, it was just completely nuts. And uh, he played really, really well. And I mean, give him credit. But then just as soon as he showed up, 
he was gone. <laughs> like he just, I don't know. I mean, Ryan, do you remember? I don't think they made any attempt to like re-sign him or maybe they actually, now that I think about it, maybe they did. Didn't they want to bring him back? And it just, it never quite happened. Cause he didn't sign with, with the coyotes until December of the fall. Well, I guess they didn't, they didn't, uh, they didn't come back until January after that, but like, did they want to bring him back? I don't remember. I, I kind of feel like they did, but maybe they just, couldn't agree on anything. I don't know. Do yeah. Know so um, I actually, I did some research to kind of jog my memory on this earlier today, <laughs> um, not to name and shame insiders or anything, but I remember one specific insider um, at the fourth period kind of was very close on the tail of this Barsard story the whole time. Ah. Um, and uh, we got multiple updates that it was close uh, with the Islanders, that they were still working out the extension. Uh, you know, this was another pretty lazy summer. In Lamorella world <laughs> or winter, geez, what a weird freeze! Yeah, I know. Yeah. I did the same thing. Just yeah, now. <laughs> I was looking up, um, you know, but um, yeah. So these were like tweets in November, December. We're approaching the end of the year, and then we got one last update that said, you know, uh, the Islanders are still working on a deal with Broussard, but he's taking offers from other teams and listening to him. And then it was an Arizona Coyote, and then he was gone uh, that quickly, which. Right. I don't think it was like one of those things where everyone was like, oh, what are we going to do? Derek's gone. Um, but, yeah. Uh, yeah. Because we still, you know, we're optimistic about some of the younger guys, in the pipeline. And uh, there was there was a preset yeah. like makeup for what this team was going to look like going into that 2020 season uh, with the whole everyone being like, you know, oh, Bursard was great, but that's the spot we need to upgrade on like a winger mm. for either Barzal or in the middle six. Um, but yeah, that, that kind of wound up being the thing. And then Broussard was gone and he was on Arizona for that 55 game kind of sprint the Islanders had the next year, which was strange. Uh, we didn't even play him when he was with Arizona because of the second right. schedule. Yeah. So he didn't even get a video package yeah. or anything. <laughs> he, yeah, as I say, when, I wonder when he, if he, he must've made his return with the Flyers, right. uh, the following year. I wonder if he got a, a, a video tribute, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming not because I feel like I would remember that and and you know have it seared into my memory but yeah. maybe that um That's so yeah funny. and i i kind of my my memory about that off season was one that um it it felt like the, the islanders kind of that they knew you knew exactly what was going to happen um i it, i remember on islanders anxiety talking about how i had a bad feeling that Devontae's wasn't coming back and then when that didn't when that happened and then um you kind of just knew that nothing else was going to happen. Mm. Um, really, like this team was going to kind of just be the team for for the next season, and it was. And the season turned out great. Um, maybe the best season of my life. But uh, it it was like at 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 I kind of felt like I knew Broussard wasn't coming back, but at the same time, you, it was a little surprising because the fit was good enough, and he was going to be so cheap and they were going to need warm bodies, but it was almost, it was almost as if like him and of all people, Leo Komarov became right. redundant, uh, which is really strange to to say when you consider where they, uh, their careers, how their career started and like their pedigree coming into the league. But, uh, cause you can, you can almost, if you just kind of put Leo to the side and pretend, you know, he didn't come back that season. He, he got on the plane that, that year instead of a, a couple of years later. Um, you can almost see Derek Broussard playing on that first line with Matt Barzell in a playoff race, and everyone being in, a, in in like a playoff series, and everyone being like, "Are you kidding me? Why isn't all why is Derek Broussard playing in that spot and not Oliver Wallstrom? This is this is going to cost us the, the series." And um, 
because yeah, they like in in this incredibly strange twist, like Derek Brassard and Leo Komarov became <laughs> similar players. Like Leo is a little bit more of a you know a little more pugilistic than Brassard, mm. but like their roles yeah. were not too far apart. Yeah, and the fact that they were doing it as Islanders is. Again, just thinking about it, it's just that whole thing was just insane. Somebody needs to make a movie about it. I'll never like what there was uh when I was I used to work nights in the city, uh an MLB. Uh and I remember one night going to a bar uh right by Penn Station. I think it's called Twins, and it's been there forever. Hmm. Uh and just sitting there and, and trying to like just like get my head around uh a Rangers playoff run. Hmm. And there were these two women in the bar and they were talking and, and they were just ranking the Rangers um, in terms of handsomeness. Mm-hmm. And, and I really thought that maybe when I was walking from Chelsea market to Penn station, I got hit by a bus and I was in hell <laughs> because like they were just going down this list and then they got to Broussard mm. and I was like in my head, you know, I'm like six seats over. I'm like they already got to Broussard. Like he's easily the best looking player on this team. I thought like, I was like this, like he's, I think he's better looking than Lundqvist. He's he, like, they were going down this list. Well, it's like, like crazy now. I think he is. I mean, he's just more of my type, I guess, but like, I'm, I'm like this, like, and I just was like, and I, I looked at them and I just got up and I was just, I got to get hell out of here. And I just got on, I got on the train eventually and like went home and, and it bugged me for so long. Yeah. Um, and then he came to the Islanders and right. yeah, that's, that's pretty funny. Yeah. But like, there's so many of those, like kind of like weird niggling, Mm. Uh, memories with with Broussard as a ranger and then right. boom they're all gone it, well it, he it, he played on a bunch of really good teams yeah. they went to the eastern conference finals and stuff like that but i mean that the list of guys who went to conference finals with the rangers and islanders has to be a pretty small list i can't i don't even want to look at who this is a question for eric hornick i think but yeah, right. that's got to be a pretty small list but uh yeah it's it honestly um, might just be one yeah it might be i don't even i mean how many conference finals have the Islanders been to since 1983? Yeah. Not many. Um, but uh, so as we talked about, he he left for Arizona. He ended up uh, getting traded, I believe, to the Flyers. Oh, no, he signed with the Flyers. Then the Flyers traded him to Edmonton. And this is going to blow your mind. Uh, last year. So he went right. to another conference final with the Oilers. Uh, and then he signed with Ottawa again this year. And Derek Broussard, as of the time that we're recording this, is actively still a player in the NHL, uh, which is also very rare for members of uh, this uh, list of weird Islanders that we talked about. I mean, Ryan, have you like kept up with him at all? Like in terms of what he's been doing? I mean, I I honestly didn't even know he was still in the league. I remember him being a flyer and that was it. I thought he retired and I was like, oh my God, he was with Edmonton last year and now he's with Ottawa. That's crazy. I mean, have you been keeping up with him this whole time, or is he just sort of like yeah, uh, just a, in the ether? Yeah, field? it's it's one of those things where, like, we he was so kind of beloved among my friend group and Islanders fans I knew that right. just like like kind of his lunch pail mentality and everything that mm. like and not to say I like actively sought out Derek Broussard games that'd be crazy, uh, but um, <laughs> I was I basically I did follow him, kind of watched a couple of 
you know, Coyotes games during that season. It was like, yeah, Broussard mm. didn't get moved that deadline, even though it was only on a one-year deal. Even though I remember right. he was like on all the big boards, but it was like 43rd or something on the 50. Um, <laughs> all the big, the the big boards. boards, big board season. The trade everyone, board. Uh, Frank Saravalli's board. <laughs> the thing I promised myself I'm not going to check before I find some downtime at work to look at it every day. Um, oh, but God, then he goes to Philly, yeah. and I went up seeing him last year, one of their first games back at UBS. So I don't remember video in the game i went to so personally i don't think he got one but he was like a responsible-ish third fourth line flyer even though they were kind of a mess that year um get shipped off to edmonton he wound up playing throughout the regular end of the regular season even got a playoff game with edmonton so yeah. uh you know shout out to Derek broussard for being able to do that and then he turned into yeah. one more contract with ottawa this year seems like he's you know respectable-ish fourth liner, eight goals, yeah. seven assists at the time of recording. But yeah, yeah, just like completely fine player that I think, you know, we'll probably have another spot in the league next year again, but sure, yeah, maybe there'll be a homecoming, but like just the amount of teams <laughs> that he's been able to right. accumulate over the years. Like I think he's yeah. on eight or nine now. It's incredible. Well, this is 10. Yeah. So he's on the Mike Sillinger plan. Yeah, Sillinger time. Yeah. <laughs> I think, you know what? I, I can kind of like see brassard taking the uh kind of steve bernier route and yeah. and just being like you know what I'll, I'll i'll go to camp with the islanders and just be the captain of bridgeport for mm. you know <laughs> you, you, you you could go to bridgeport if you're multi multi-millionaire um you know you, you southern connecticut's not a terrible place to be and mm. him and Corey schneider can uh can lead the, the, the sound tigers <laughs> yeah to the uh 2008 stanley cup but um I could see, like, I could see it, and he's closing in a thousand games. Like, yeah, th- this that- is this is kind of fitting that he's back in Ottawa for it. Like, mm. I because you know, I really wonder who, if you ask someone like a Nashville Predator fan, someone who's not had any experience, one of the two thirds of the leagues that, that never got to witness Derek Brassard put on their jersey. <laughs> um, you know, what team do you think Derek Brassard? Uh, what team comes to mind? When, like, who would he go into the Hall of Fame wearing? And because you could definitely make the argument, you know, it's Blue Jacket or Ranger right. or Senator. He played his most games as a Blue Jacket, which I did not. Yeah, know. which is also weird. And and like like the fact that we're talking about him and Mike Sillinger in the same breath yeah. is weird because he just was not. He was not that a not. He wasn't a star at all. Yeah. Like I'm yeah. not saying he was a star, but this he was a really really good player, um, in his prime. Uh, so to think that like. Derek Broussard is is going suitcase on us is <laughs> is is really kind of hard to wrap your mind around because uh, he was he was so good uh, for for so long. I mean, you could say it would be like you know Kyle Posa. Like if Kyle, po- it's hard to think that Kyle mm-hmm. Posa would ever go on this path. But they were drafted one pick apart in in uh, in in, the, in that first round, and it was. A, I mean, that draft was really good too. So mm-hmm. like credit, cre- like that tells you how good he was. I mean, if he, he it was Eric Johnson. Jordan Stahl, Taves, Nick Backstrom, Kessel, Broussard, Oposo, um, and then you know that's a Simeon Varlamov draft, Claude Giroux. Um, so like there's there's some names in here, mm. and the fact that he was sixth, uh, it kind of just tells you how good this guy was. And now yeah. that he's you know going cylinder, you almost don't want. I almost feel like I I want to explain to people now. Derek Broussard, the way we're talking about him right now is 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 not fair to his legacy because he was a much better player. <laughs> yeah, uh, that was the Michael Grabner draft too. The, the yeah. Islanders ended up with a ton of players from this first round. Jesus Christ, <laughs> High Wishart. Oh my gosh! <laughs> wow, 
Yeah. That was a long time ago. Um, but yeah, yeah. So I didn't realize he played for 10 teams. You know, I could see him playing for either Buffalo <laughs> or going back to Columbus if he's interested in kind of reliving, you know, the early days. Because again, he did play the most games with Columbus and, you know, he, he topped out at 17 goals there. And then, you know, he came to the Rangers and he busted out for 27 one year and, and just became a different kind of player. But, you know, now that I'm looking at the stats, maybe this is the kind of player he was all the time. Like he, maybe he just had a couple of really bu- you know bust out years with the Rangers and really he's just been this sort of more utility utility forward this entire time and I'm looking at his hockey reference page and I find I'm scrolling down I see hat tricks okay Rangers yeah makes sense he had one for Arizona in 2021 like <laughs> he had a hat trick for Arizona when he was playing and I mean he let's see how how old was he he was 30 33 well good for him and I had no idea like once this guy left I completely forgot about him. Like, I don't know why that was, but uh, it's pretty crazy. But um, so, I mean, that's it on Derek Broussard. He's, you know, yeah, by the time you listen to this, he's probably would have passed a thousand games. He's been to a lot of, uh, he's been in a lot of playoff games. He's scored a lot of goals for a lot of teams. And uh, I think he's been a pretty good player. And the fact that the Islanders are are on his list is, is pretty remarkable. And, you know, I, I never got the chance to ask you, Ryan, what, what made you pick, Broussard was it just that he was a huge part of like your your friend group like you said I mean was it was it one thing that just made him stick out I mean we show you this big list and he was the guy you went right towards like what what made him stick out I I honestly I reviewed the list a couple of times I just made sure it was someone (laughs) I felt comfortable talking about at length uh but definitely the thing with Broussard would have to be like that kind of Rangers crossover um coming across kind of the river and not or coming you know coming out to the island and not knowing what to expect out of him because he had been with so many teams. And it was just like such a nice surprise where I know uh, a lot of the times we'll on this pod, you guys go back to, you know, really obscure Islanders or Islanders who are known <laughs> for like one memory or one, one particular game, right. even in case of all the fight night guys. Uh, but like with Broussard, it's just like nice to, he put together a nice little season here that rejuvenated his career and we sent him back out into the wild after one year in our little, uh, you know, one of the more stable Islander seasons. But uh, after being oh, yeah. here for the one year, we sent him back out into the world, and then the world started eating him up again. But we gave him a little Man. safe haven in his career that let him get back on track. So I would think that's uh, it's pretty yeah. neat. And congrats. I, when I made the pick, I didn't even know he was approaching a 1,000 games. So I'm sure we'll have a Jeff Merrick three-hour appreciation. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> uh, three-hour appreciation kind of talk on bringing in his uh, AHL coach or OHL coach. Right. When I say Derek Broussard, yeah. what comes to your mind? <laughs> <laughs> and and Fried is going to say uh, that pass to Andy Green in the uh, bubble yeah. game seven against the Flyers. <laughs> uh, one one other fun fact about Broussard that again I'm just looking this is his ro- hockey reference page is really fascinating. He's got to be the last player to call Nassau Coliseum his home arena for an entire season because that was the, that 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 was the year the Islanders played there. Although I guess. The bubble kind of counts, I suppose. But like, he didn't play any games, any home games at Barclays Center. He did not. It was only the Coliseum huh. for, for him as as an Islander. So there you go. It's pretty crazy. <laughs> um, so Ryan, this has been a lot of fun. I'm glad we could get you on. Um, I've become a fan of your show over the last little while. I think you and AJ and Jake do a great job. Uh, what uh, you know? Well, I guess for, first of all, what I like about the show is that your takes are very level headed, but you have a lot of enthusiasm, which is great. I also uh, love that you named your show a tongue twister, which is a very bold move. I, I don't know I would, if I would have made that choice, uh, but calling it sk- Skates at the Stakes 
uh, is was very tricky. And I'm, I'm glad to see that you guys are uh, navigating that well. Uh, how did the, the podcast start? Was it like one guy who kind of got the ball rolling or was it the three of you just like, hey, let's do this. Let's get this going. Because you guys have done 80 episodes, right? So, I mean, congrats to you because that's a lot for, for a podcast. You're really sticking with it. And I, hope, I mean, I hope there's a million more, but like, how did this whole thing get started? Yeah, so my friends, uh, AJ and Jake, I didn't know them at the time, but during the two playoff series, uh, they were both kind of college kids and they would make the podcast. And then one day, uh, my friend Jake just kind of followed me on Twitter, direct messaged me like, hey, can I have your number? It was like, hey, your tweets are really good. Do you want to be on our podcast? And I was like, yeah, sure, I'll give it a shot because I've never done like kind of public speaking in that you know, realm mm. where it's like, you know, I always had the New York kid dream listening to WFAN being like a sports mm. radio jockey asking why they don't talk about the Islanders <laughs> until you realize why they don't talk about the Islanders. Um, but yeah. yeah, so kind of doing that WFAN thing. And then I did one episode. It felt good last year. And then we just started recording and we tried to go for like one episode a week or if the Islanders, you know, mm. make a big move, which they didn't until Bo Horvat. Um, <laughs> but uh, if they, you know, either make a big move or if they're, you know, a big game, big results, mm. we'll try to get a pod out after the game. And it's it's kind of the same thing as if you were hopping with your hopping on with your buddies on like a Discord or a Skype call just to talk about the team. The only difference is we kind of record it. Um, and yeah, we, we segment it. We write out a little thing before and we know we're going to hit. We have fun, um, you know, most of the time. I only unprivate my Twitter like two years ago. It's just been great being able to connect with all these Islanders fans because I didn't grow up around Islanders people. So it's been really cool mm. seeing a lot of people and making friends, getting offered tickets, getting to meet people. So it, it's really cool. cool being able to enter this whole uh, Islanders podcasting cinematic mm. universe that you guys kind of uh, <laughs> run point on here. But yeah, no, it's cool. Listen to Skates <laughs> of the Stakes if you don't. Yes, definitely. Where can it, so where can everybody find it? I know I usually end up listening to it on Spotify, but you guys are all over the place. Yeah, we're on everything. We're on uh, Spotify, Apple Music. Uh, we just kind of put it up and it goes out everywhere. So wherever you can find podcasts, it's there. On Twitter at Skates and Stakes. My personal account is Rat Martin, spelled like the band Rat. Uh, and then Martin. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm just going to play on Matt Martin there. But yeah, that's uh, that's about anything I have to plug right now. <laughs> it's really good you guys should all check it out definitely you, you shouldn't feel weird that you didn't grow up around islander fans because i grew up on long island and didn't Seriously. grow up around islander yeah. fans it's just it was it's a it's <laughs> they uh i had an argue i've had argument with with my friend at work for a long time about you know what truly grows the game and mm. uh I, um what i say is i'll tell you what grows the game it's your team being good yeah uh, and, and i know that because we go to islander games all of us here that we would be one of 6,000 people announced at the, <laughs> at the game and there would be 3,000 people there. Um, and now it's, it, you know, that there've been games at UBS arena where you're like the team's playing terribly and, and, and mm. there's the crowd there. So yeah. uh, winning does, does kind of make more fans obviously, but yeah, sure. growing up for me, like finding Islander fans was, was still pretty rare. It was weird seeing Islander hats in the wild Islander. Mm. I remember the big one. It was almost like finding like I don't know like the rare Pokemon card or something was uh, the the Islander vanity license plate. <laughs> be like, yeah, oh that is God. rare. Yeah, yeah. and <laughs> but now they're now they're popping up more. There's there's yeah. there's there's one down the block from me uh, mm. here, and I'm just like, man, if I saw that in like 2014, I would take a picture of it and send to like a lot of my friends. Be like, Can you look what I just saw. This is great. <laughs> uh, I mean, if if you're a very old man like me. And you grew up during the time when they, the dynasty was still very much 
it was over, but it was still like very close to uh, the time. Uh, that's when you saw a lot of Islanders fans around, but uh, it was very likely that you would not know a lot of other Islanders fans. And I'm pretty sure until my job now, I've been the only other Islanders fan at pretty much every job I've ever been in. So it's <laughs> just how it is. Um, uh, okay. Well, this has been, uh, this has been a lot of fun. Uh, Michael Leboff, any final thoughts on uh, Derek Broussard, New York Islander? I uh, know. I mean, I'm, I'm just very happy. He, he, he came like, and mm. like I said, if you had offered me that before he, he, you know, the day before he signed, he said, Hey, it's up to you. If you want Derek Broussard on the Islanders, I don't know what I would say. I would mm. like not, and not talking about stats like Kerry was just mm. talking about Derek Broussard, you know, former Ranger or, mm. but then he weighed the, the thing that he did with the senators. And it's like, it would, would truly be one of those, those kind of hard, uh, you know, devil on one shoulder, angel on the other shoulder decisions. Mm. Uh, but I'm glad that, it happened because he he really added to that team and it was a fun season uh, with a with a very you know fever dream ending um <laughs> but uh yeah i mean i mean big game brass man he uh he's going <laughs> to he'll get a good rip at uh, he'll you know what here's the sick thing let's end i'll i'll my final thought on Derek Broussard is Derek Broussard if goes to an alumni night on Long Island he would get a bigger rip from the Islander fans than he would if he went to alumni night at Madison Square Garden. Yeah, I agree with that. That makes a lot of sense. Perfect ending right there. Where can everybody find you on Twitter? Uh, the Big Lebowski with two E's. Follow Mike at The Big Lebowski. Read his work at Action Network. Listen to Skates at the Stakes, which is really, really great. Follow Rat Martin on Twitter and uh, AJ and Jake as well. And uh, listen to Islanders Anxiety. Read Lighthouse Hockey every single day. And uh, we'll be back again in a few weeks with another Weird Islanders. So until then, keep the Islanders weird. We'll talk to you then. Bye-bye.